that time. Once again, the Union Smack podcast has returned. Part two, question time seven. Back in the fold. Unfortunately, one of us has been really under the weather, but he's trudged through, truly living up to his namesake. The Iron Man of the show, the main, truly you're a maniac today for attempting to do this. My co-host is always the man, Matt Tennant. Man, I know you feel bad and I know it's a lot to plug usually, so best you can. How you been? We just said how you been. And where can everyone catch you? Yeah, I've, I've been at Death's Door, Travis. <clears throat> Pardon me. So there's going to be a little format change this week. Um, you're not going to hear as much from me. I'll be reading the questions. Travis will be answering them at length as best he can. Um, I'll chip in here and there when I can, but I can't talk for too long, unfortunately. Otherwise, I will cough and we'll just be on air for hours just with me coughing. So with that all said, you can catch me on Twitter at BruiserMate. You can catch the show on Twitter at UnionSmack. Go to unionsmack.bigcartel.com for all your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can celebrate five years of the UnionSmack podcast. And Lulu.com, where you can pick up books, my books, sorry, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One in time for Christmas. Very well done. Even under the weather, there's none better at plugging shit than my co-host, Matt. Yeah, I mean, without further ado, I mean, part one of this, you guys knocked our socks off. 34 goddamn questions. And this one right here, part two, there's nothing less. I mean, it's pretty much up there the same amount. And we have a plethora and a goddamn buffet and a smorgasbord once again to get into. So without further ado, I say we just jump right back into it and kick it off, man. Let's do it. So our first question is from Karen L on Podbean on the return of the Ultimate Warrior episode. And Karen asks, my favorite wrestler growing up, do you think the Ultimate Warrior could have gotten any bigger than he was in 1990? Or was that the peak of his career? Man, I for his career, he could have... It's tough to say what he may have evolved with. Would he have evolved the character in the Attitude Era? Because I know he came in for the little bit in WCW, but he was on such a hiatus in between that there was never really a chance to evolve it. Um, as far as did he peak then? I mean, I feel like in 1990 in a promotion where Hulk Hogan is your top babyface, that's as far as you're going to get. Where Warrior got, that was the ceiling. Because no babyface, I don't care who you were at the time, was topping Hogan. He did. I feel like he totally got the most out of that. That's the farthest he ever could have gone, especially with all of his shortcomings. He was exposed month after month. And he was, by the end of it, I think even us as children looked at it as this guy can't even hold a, cannot hold a candle to Hulk Hogan. Um it, as far as the uh, the evolving and later in his career, that's way tougher to say. But the 1990 question, yeah, that's that's right there. Yeah, absolutely agree. Question two from Karen: How would you have booked the Ultimate Warriors WWF Championship reign better? And can I just add on this? Number one, I wouldn't have given him Sergeant Slaughter as a final opponent, but that, that's just me. That's just where I sit. I would have incorporated Savage into it more. Um, I mean, I to be honest, I didn't have any qualms with the cage match and the build in the summer with the Brood. I thought it made sense. Obviously, the history was there a year before with those two. Um, I just yeah. would have, I would have had Savage maybe. Uh, man, that's tough because it's at that time the cheap heat was so easy to get away with, and obviously it worked. Slaughter, 
I mean, that match with Hogan sucked, but was it the right call to go the cheap heat route, Matt? I mean, <clears throat> the original plan was for a rematch at Mania 7 between Hogan and, and Warrior. Didn't, they didn't want to go that way, which is why they switched it to Slaughter as a caretaker champion. But I don't know. I, I, just, I still think there's a whole Slaughter championship win. It, I think it lessened the Warrior a little bit. I think it made him a, a little bit cheaper, at least in my eyes. He went from WrestleMania six as this conquering hero, you know, the first man to pin Hulk Hogan in years to losing to Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, uh, let's be honest, a mediocre pay-per-view and just a, a terrible match as well. A lot of people might think I'm nuts for suggesting this. because After thinking about it, I do have what I would do now because he was so red hot as a baby face in 90, but realistically, he was always a better heel to me, and a year later, he was a red-hot heel. You could have gone a year earlier, just turned Jake Roberts heel and have him feud with the Warrior in 90. So just, And I'm not saying he's going to take the belt, but to transition and kill some time before we get to the end game. I thought it would have, I thought it would have been really good. Yeah, I'd have loved that. Like Jake Roberts as a heel, obviously we saw what he could do with Randy Savage. Um, we didn't get quite so much of it. We would have if he'd have uh, turned on Hogan when they planned to. But I, I think, you know, heel Roberts versus face warrior for the title. Pull it on Roberts and Roberts versus Hogan at WrestleMania 7. Bloody, that that would have took the roof off, I think, better than uh, Slaughter and Hogan. Because Roberts could have carried Hulk Hogan much better than an aging, aging Sergeant Slaughter did. Yeah. And you know what? The the year later, when they did the when Jake was a heel and he had the program with the Warrior, those <laughs> those vignettes with the Undertaker, they're a guilty pleasure for me. Uh, they're so bad, they're good. I can't help but love them when he like makes puts Warrior through the tests. Then it's just a big swerve in the room full of snakes. Yeah, <laughs> I've not seen them for ages, but they're definitely some I need to go back and watch. I we have we're been starting I thought, very, cool. we're starting very Jim Hellwig heavy this week. We <laughs> are. There's a lot more war, war, warrior fucking out. A lot more warrior to come as well this week. So we we're going to leave the ultimate warrior there for a minute, and we're going to move on to two more questions from Karen. This time left on our question time episode six. She says, <clears throat> I agree 100% that The Rock has to have a proper retirement match. He's too much of a legend to go out the way he did. Is The Rock overrated or underrated as a wrestler? I, th I think with The Rock, the thing is he, he was so goddamn good at everything he did besides the in-ring that there's a, like, you go back and look at Flex Cavana footage or, like, year one Rocky Maivia. He was really fucking good. And I know a lot of people aren't going to like that. He's, he, he just kept holding back year after year. He didn't have to do as much, but I mean, his arsenals and his repertoire, he was very equipped in the ring. He just didn't have to rely on this shit. You know, um, I don't think he was, I think people were too hard on the rock in the attitude era, like the, the online message boards and shit brutally. They <laughs> murdered that guy. They hated the rock. I never had an issue with the rock because some guys are just undeniable. You just can't deny the talent there. No, I think he was a, an all-rounder. I, I think he was severely underrated as a wrestler in answer to that question. I've always yeah. been a rock fan, Travis. I will always be 
you know, a rock fan. And if the rumours are true, and we said we, we almost poo-pooed this last week, the rock Roman, but after what's come out in the week, like between last week and this episode, that they are considering Roman defending on both nights, then, you know, I, I will be a, a rock fan if he comes back next year. Will I want him to beat Roman Reigns? Absolutely not. But, you know, once a fan, always a fan, but definitely underrated for me. Agree. Why was the people's elbow so popular? It was just an elbow drop. See, that's a, <laughs> that's a very good question because I don't have an answer to that. <clears throat> that's a damn good question there. You could ask why was the worm so popular? You know, uh, <laughs> even the silly D'Lo Brown leg drop got over because there was just that time. I don't. I don't have this. I don't think anyone has a specific answer of why that time in wrestling, specifically, silly little spots got over more than any other time I can think of in wrestling. It just, it was what it was. I, I, yeah. I can't. For once, I cannot answer a question. Believe it or not. <laughs> I think the. I think Dwayne Johnson would have trouble with that as well. If you said to him, "Why did the people's elbow?" You know, become so popular as it did, it'd probably be like, I have no idea. It was just anyone, a product of the time. Anyone else doing that fucking move, it would have fell on its ass. Only the <laughs> rock could have made that work. <laughs> imagine imagine fucking hardcore Holly trying to get the people's elbow over. It's not gonna work. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh sorry, who was it? Karen. Last question from Karen. Would The Rock have risen to fame faster had they debuted him with his nation of domination, charisma, and cockiness rather than the smiley Rocky Maivia? Yeah, it needed to evolve. I think that's what, in a way, it had to come full circle. I mean, you could have, but he wouldn't have had as much material to work with. There would have, I mean, a lot of what made the nation Rocky work is because he threw it back in the fans' face saying, You people chained die, Rocky die will suck my dick, pretty much. That, that yeah. was a big part of his early promos. I mean, that was 80% of his promos in the early nation days. <laughs> you take that away. I hate to say this about Rocky, but he might've just been another guy in the nation. <clears throat> That's very true. And I, I don't think he had that cockiness and charisma to begin with. I mean, if you look at from survivor series, 96 through to late 97, early 98 nation of domination time, he, he very gradually learned it. You know, it very gradually came through promo by promo, bit by bit. We've seen all the in your houses, Travis. You know, where, where we've said he was a bit better there than he was, you know, last time around. And then two months later, it's he's really coming through as a personality. So I, I don't think it was fully there when he debuted at Survivor Series, but rather something that he he found within himself when. It, it was obvious that Rocky Maivia wasn't going to work long-term. And if you ever get a chance, I mean, even in the Rock's WWE documentary where he, he's talking about it, a lot of the failed babyface run fueled him. It really did piss him off, and he resented the fans for it, and a, a lot of that fueled his later promos. So I, I feel like that's crucial to be in, in his timeline. <clears throat> Absolutely. Thank you, Karen, for those questions. We're going to move on to Wrestle King on the podcast, who on our question time, episode six, says, these episodes are your best stuff, and that's up against some stiff competition. I've been following the fan war on Twitter with my head in my hands recently. 
Does Malachi Black getting death threats from AEW fans for leaving and AEW fans trying to cancel Candice LeRae speak volumes of the fan base? First of all, thank you very much for the compliment. And uh, I'll tell you right now, there's crazy fans on both sides. There's crazy fans of every promotion. I don't know if you could you could just blame the promotion. I mean, take a look at these uh, these fucking weird WWE fans with divas as their profile picture. You know, it's <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of wasted opportunity on therapy sessions out there that should be happening, but probably aren't for mental health. Um, no, it's not AEW. It's just people are gonna people. I mean, social media is the epitome of of just people wanting attention and saying ridiculous shit to get attention. It's what it boils down to. But the death threats thing, that's that's the whole extra mile. That's you probably need to be evaluated immediately by a professional if you're giving a wrestler death threats. Absolutely. Again, I can't I can't really add any more to that. Apart from social media has helped the what's the right word? The disturbed get a platform and I think we're seeing that in like more in 2022 than ever before. I mean, we saw it before, like like that nut job who was stalking Alexa Bliss and calling her his wife, and then sending death threats to the guy she eventually married. His name, you know, slips me out. And then the one that turned up at Paige's house, and they had to call the cops. And then the Sonya Deville thing. You know what I mean? I I think 2022 is a culmination so far of weirdness. That has gone before, man. I I put it. I saw a screen. I had to screen cap it on my timeline the other day. It was like the NX, <laughs> during the NXT pay per view the other night. I was just like looking at one of their tweets, and in the thread, you probably saw my tweet. You know what I'm talking about already. But there's this. I mean, the guy looked like Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. He just looked <laughs> out, he looked out to lunch. He looked out to lunch to begin with, but it was under like a Mandy Rose. So I'd call him, calling her like his baby and how he's so proud oh, of her. Then yeah. under it, this sums up the entire, that side of the fence and right under it in response was a, somebody made an account pretending to be Mandy Rose saying, thank you, baby. That means the world. And I just fucking lost it. Oh my goodness. That's where we're at. That is, where oh, that is where we've come to in 2022. Thank you very much. Wrestle King for that. Batarang on Podbean on the Best of British Bulldog episode has three questions for us, Travis. The first of which, why do you think Davey Boy is so fondly remembered, not just in the UK, but worldwide? Um, I think it was just for that time, he stood out a lot as far as his work rate, especially as a tag guy. Um, being the hero of Britain didn't hurt. Uh... I mean, yeah, because he wasn't, not just his in-ring, but people don't realize the British Bulldog was only like 5'11". He was as tall as I am. He's, it made him stand out more that he wasn't like a, a warlord or one of those fucking guys, too, where he was a little more stockier. Plus, I mean, he, the Bulldog coming out with him to ringside, I mean, if you had a pet, you were fucking over. It didn't matter if you're Coco Beware or anybody. I mean, just give him a pet. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, and I hate to say this, but he really lucked out too on kind of who he married and what storylines that took his career in. Cause that just, yeah. that was beautiful fucking timing to, to be the actual brother-in-law of Brett going into SummerSlam 92. I mean, why wouldn't you play off of that? It was brilliant to use that in the storyline. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And obviously UK wise, we said it last week. He was the Hulk Hogan 
you know, of, of the UK. Uh, our greatest export to America and around the world, I would say, wrestling-wise. I mean, you could lump people like William Regal and the Dynamite Kids in with them. But I think on the worldwide stage, the notoriety he got, I think David Boy Smith you know, can firmly take the first place as the greatest wrestling export we've given the world as well. I still put Lord Al Hayes at number one. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it, that man. I'm ill enough as it is. I'm picturing, <coughs> that, I'm picturing that scene of on TNT where Andre's putting his hand over his face. <laughs> I wish we could do that with his voice on some of the archive stuff we have to review, Travis. It'd make it much more palatable. I feel like every time you hear that man talk, you just want to do what Andre does. <laughs> just around his throat, though, not over his face. That'd be very you nice. Wanna, oh, you want to you want to give him a little Bob Euchre action, huh? Yes, I'll do. Yes, just a little throttle. Just shut the fuck up. Thank you very much. Man, oh, I, I was I was fucking watching an episode of Mr. Belvedere the other day. I love Bob Euchre. Every time he made an appearance, he was so good, so good. So, question two: Do you think? And I think we we touched on this last week, Travis. But now's our chance to go a little more in depth. Do you think the Bulldog? David Boy Smith would have eventually broke out as a single star had he and Dynamite Kid stayed as a team, or would Billington have been the standout? I think they both would have made it in their own way. Um, I think long run, I think Davy Boy would have been pushed more as a top guy, just based on what we have yeah. here. He was obviously the bigger guy. I think both would have made their fucking mark in different ways. I, I think imagine this. Imagine this. Dynamite retired in 91 in Japan. Imagine, you know, we talked about this last week too. If he didn't have the demons and his body didn't go to shit, I mean, hell, imagine him getting snagged by WCW in like 95 and he's in flux into that cruiserweight division. Holy shit. Him versus Mysterio, Malenko, Psychosis. That that would have been... Yeah, it was only four years later. It could have (sighs) happened. Longevity wise, though, I, I think obviously Billington had his demons. Uh, you know, I, I think David Boy would have lasted just just by being there because I think WWF would have eventually have gotten sick of you know Tom Billington and his ways, you know, and everything he did backstage. If not in '88 when the Bulldogs left, then certainly in 1991. I I, I couldn't see a Hogan or a Savage putting up with with something like that. Well, in my little fantasy scenario too, I'm pretending that Tom Billington was a good little boy and, and it wasn't a dickhead backstage. Right? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we're talking extreme fantasy here. Guys. <laughs> extreme fantasy. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I can say it. Which one would you have said would have reached the WWF championship quicker? Um, Davey boy. Well, I can't argue with that, obviously. I always thought he should have been WWF champion. And actually, Travis, we have what I think is probably one of our best questions ever right at the end of this episode about Davey Boy and the WWF championship. And I think, because I had to think about this when I first read it, I think it'll uh, make us think a little bit, give us cause for what could have happened. But we'll save that for later. Question three. Was there more yeah, to come wait. from the British... Go on. 
I was just saying, can't wait for the question. And real quick, imagine Dynamite Kid being there in 92 and being in the IC division with the heel Shawn Michaels. Those matches. Oh. See, I just love that. And, the, you know, a heel, a heel Tom Billington against the babyface Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title against Kurt Hennig. Just what we missed out on. It's a shame, really. Against Razor Ramon and Spivey. <laughs> Fucking hell. Never going to hear the end of that one. <coughs> oh, dear. So let's move on to question three. Was there more to come from the British Bulldogs as a team in the WWF? I think so. I think there was a lot more you could have done. Yeah. It's a shame because they hadn't, they hadn't peaked. You know, they hadn't reached their full potential yet as a team. And you look at the, the tag team division in 1991, even, you know, 92, if you hadn't have broke them up by that point, there was just, they, they could have carried teams like the Beverly Brothers to great, great matches. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Yeah. I, you know what? I mean, they're easy targets, but the Beverly Brothers were actually a really good fucking team in ring. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that they they phoned it in when they got to the WWF because why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. What, what, what have you got to work with? Look at the, look at those <laughs> outfits. Who's taking that seriously in any era? Come on. <laughs> Same that with high energy. High energy <clears throat> was a great team too, but look at those fucking outfits. Jesus Christ! I'd have loved the Bulldogs versus High Energy or the Bulldogs versus Money Inc. That would be fucking brilliant. So thank you, Batarang, for those. We are moving on to Lily now on Podbean, who on our question time episode five, that's what, two, three ago, asks or says, <laughs> I've got to stop listening to you guys while driving to work. I can't concentrate while laughing that hard. Even though I think I know the answer to this, what are your thoughts on Jay Cargill's comments about thinking that she could be the next rock? First of all, please don't die listening to us. It's not worth it. Wait till you got to get to wherever you got to be. <laughs> um, yeah, don't don't listen to us on your way to work. That, that's a bad bad idea. I yeah. I've actually that's that's actually news to me. Did she really say that, Matt? Can you verify? Have you seen now, the she quote? Did, she did say it, Travis, and I've got it here somewhere. Even though, uh, ah, here it is. So <laughs> I, I just thought you'd heard this. So this comes from the e-wrestling news website. Uh, she gave an interview to the Daily, the New York Daily News. I think it was a month and a bit ago. And in that, she said, I aspire to be like a female rock. I really do. I think I have the look. I think I have the aura. My spouse, if he was here right now, would tell you, I want her to sail off to the coast of Italy with me and enjoy this retirement. But I love working. I love pushing the needle and doing things that people tell me I can't do. Well, if we're going off all look and no substance and being all right in the ring for like five minutes, barely just getting by, then yeah, she's right. She is like the rock Don Morocco. I totally agree. <laughs> oh, that's actually a brilliant point. She didn't actually mention which rock that she aspired to be. Oh fuck me! Can you yeah, can you amount the ego, 
the ego of this woman to think she even touches like the greatness of Dwayne Johnson. You know? She's okay. I, I want to make something very clear because I've taken a lot of shit for this on Twitter because God forbid you criticize a female wrestler on Twitter. People just can't handle it. I've always shat on her at, in her. I've, I've never really shit on her as a person. I don't know that much about her as a person. What I'm taking away from the comment was she's aspiring to be. I don't. I didn't really take that as like she thinks she's. I mean, why? What, every everybody in there should think they have something going for them, or otherwise get the fuck out, right? Well, I don't know. I don't think she's a bad person. I don't. I don't think she's coming off arrogant in this. I think she's got a lot of people in her ears. She's also a tough case too, where she does a lot of shit in kayfabe. A lot, pretty much. 90% of her Twitter game is in kayfabe. You never know with her. I, I just never know. Am I offended at the comment? Not as much as I just think it's laughable. I mean, what's the bit? What's the, when you close your little eyes, guys, and you think about The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, you close your eyes, do it right now while you're listening. You close your eyes, and you think about his biggest strong suit immediately, right? The mic. What's the yeah. worst thing this woman has going for her, her promo skills. So nowhere even close. Don Morocco, dead ringer. But The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I admire her for wanting to get to that level. You know, if you don't want to be the best in, in the wrestling business, then what's the point? But at the same time, let's be realistic. She, she must know how bad she is, or does she actually believe that the people who come for her on Twitter, not come for her as in, you know, one off the wrist, but the people who actively hunt her down on Twitter to, to pull her up for her mistakes and her laziness and, you know, her inability to do things, does she actually think they're just being horrible and she's a great performer and great wrestler? Or, or can she, do you think, see that she just hasn't got it? Also, and I don't care if this offends people, it probably will. In the entire world right now, of all the women wrestlers from every company, from your little stardoms and ice ribbons all the way to WWE, there's a lot of women who are really fucking good. Dare I, dare I say flawless in ring. Some are really good. But there's when you think of a woman in the world currently who's the complete, total package, everything, there's not really any except one, and the problem with her is she's been used to death to where, as great as I think she is, I don't want to see her. It's Charlotte Flair is the closest mm -hmm. thing we have as far as a female to a rock. She hits on all fronts. She's a great fucking promo, not as a baby face, but as a heel. I mean, yeah. the, her in-ring speaks for itself, but it's just been done to death, right? Other than that, name me a woman who is a complete fucking total package with everything five stars there is none and that's no. a big problem so not ronda rousey then <laughs> i didn't say negative i didn't say negative stars <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're gonna start with coughing becky, <clears throat> becky lynch is the closest to two but for me her promos have never blown me the fuck away. They're very mush mouth. And sometimes, quite frankly, she's hard to understand. Yeah. That's because the Irish accent, I think, as well, doesn't translate very well. Bailey, you could put there, too, as a close, but her, her heel shtick is so cheesy anymore. It's so kindergarten, you know. 
I, I've not been taken with Bailey's in ring since she she's come back. I I just and it doesn't bore me. It doesn't turn me off of the product. It it just leaves me meh. Yeah, just like well, I I could have done without saying that. It's not awful. I can tell what's happening. I think she's she's the hesitance is still yet to be worn off because she was out for so long with an injury. It's, a, it's not to the extreme of the Soraya hesitance at that pay per view match. My God, I mean. But you can see the hesitance is still... I mean, that's human nature, I feel like. Eventually, I mean, I've always thought she's good, but she's never been another worker who's blown me away. I think she's a little overrated, but she'll... I feel like she'll get back there in a few months, but, you know, shaking off the rust. Okie doke. Well, thank you very much. Now, this, Travis, is brilliant. Possibly the best username I've ever heard. So, from Podbean... Ken Patera's jockstrap has five questions for us. <laughs> so the first, that is brilliant. Isn't it? The first, what's that, uh, what's that? What's that smell like? You think a nice fresh Gouda cheese or? Jesus Christ! With my stomach right now, that's not oh, that's, my, that's not a whiff I wanted to uh, think about. So <clears throat> on the best of British Bulldog episode, I can't keep saying the name. It's too good. They ask, I love these retro reviews of Coliseum video releases, especially when they're about stars I've actually heard of, and your humour and passion add another dimension. Thank you very much. I've been through a good few hours of yours now, and they're just really gripping, despite the content selected by WWE. In your opinion, was Davey Boy Smith a great wrestler, or just lucky to be a product of a time where he fitted in and stood out at the same time? Um. First of all, thank you very much. That's a high compliment. And that's always been one of my like low-key goals since starting a wrestling podcast, watching the shit so you guys don't have to. So I'm glad that we make <laughs> abysmal in-your-house shows and stuff enjoyable for you. Uh, to answer the direct question, I think he was a complete star. Uh, you could put David Boy Smith in any era of wrestling and he would have been a star. I think the biggest thing that worked against him is the timing and where he was in his prime. He was in the land of the big men. Yeah. No, I see what you mean. For me, I think for me, he wasn't always the best in the ring. You know, he had some good matches, even against men like the Warlord and Barbarian, dare we say. They weren't all terrible. Um, was he just, was he lucky to be a product of his time? Yeah. <sighs> like you said, no, I don't think so. I think if you go back and watch World of Sport, you know, the slimmer, Teenage Davy Boy Smith was a marvel even back then against men like you know Fit Finley, you know Big Daddy and and all those great Adrian Adonis as well. Uh, not Adrian Adonis, sorry, Adrian Street. You know he he had something from his teenage days right into you know his WWF days. Not so much his later WCW days, unfortunately, but I, I think he was a perfect fit. For the 90s the big you know the character driven wwf but like you say you could have dumped him in any era and he'd have been a standout if it had been david boy smith of 1991 today i think you know triple h would have had a bona fide star on his hands absolutely no reason he couldn't be as prominent on the card as like sheamus or drew mcintyre right now absolutely De definitely at the top there with gunther 
you know, vying for the IC title. Man, imagine those matches, Davian is prime and fucking Walter. Good lord. That would have been fantastic. I can't believe I just preferred him as Gunther. Even the two guys I just said, imagine Davy versus Mr. Drew McIntyre. Holy shit. Wow. And I think that's that's one of the sh- you know, real shames of the, the early 90s when David Boy was around in the WWF. There weren't that many more British wrestlers that he could really step up against. He had William Regal in, in WCW in what, 93. But compared to, 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 to today, can't even get it out as I say it. But compared to now, you know, you've got the Seamuses, the McIntyres, the the Walters, the Pete Dunns. You know, you've got all these influx of British talent coming through. If he'd have had that in the early 90s in WWF, I, I think his matches would have been looked back on very differently than they are. Less warlord, less barbarian, more technical Mac classics, you know, more British, British, British strong style, if you like about you know against proper wrestlers who could actually go let me fantasy book davy in reverse for a little bit imagine if davy would have been around in like 82 83 in world class feuding with like the von erics or chris adams or the, the goddamn freebirds or like nwa against like flair and magnum and dusty i'd have loved that i'd have, I'd have loved a, a bulldog in his prime against a Rick Fl- NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Ric Flair. 50 minutes, six, 60 minutes. Did, of- did they do house show matches up north in WWE when Davey and Flair were there? Um, I, I think they had one or two with Davey and Flair, but I don't think there was a whole lot of connection between the two. I, I think you'll find they'll probably be around January 92 just after flair won the title and i i never see the thumbnails till after we've done these episodes guys i'm assuming the thumbnail this week is just going to be a giant picture of davy boy smith (laughs) (laughs) he's not but he is on the thumbnail all right (laughs) so thank you for that question uh on our mr wonderful episode travis ken patera's jockstrap asks and says love this episode so much you should do more of these where you handpick the matches to review like your own compilation the comments about the widow twanky and masturbating for a month had me crying with laughter you've done a great job and you guys deserve more credit than you get for a wonderful show thank you very much and just on that travis next week our last show of the year we are going to take that format again for our christmas cracker we just we've, we've picked a handful of matches I say a handful. I made a list earlier this week and sent it to Travis and basically said, this is what I want to do. But, you know, it's basically matches around Christmas and for Christmas characters, etc. that we're going to review for you. So, yeah, that, that's what that list, do. by the way, that format list of some of those matches was like, like reading a bill <laughs> in the mail. I was like, oh, <laughs> It's Christmas. We have to have some shit on this show. I know. I'm just I'm just saying. I know there's no getting around Santa Claus. That just has to happen. I mean He's on the thumbnail. It definitely has to happen. But I'll 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 let you into a little uh a little sneak peek of next week before we sat down to record Travis to make and I said to make myself feel better. It made me feel worse. I watched one of the matches, the first one on the list. 
Fritz von Erich versus the Great Kabuki. And dear <laughs> God Almighty, are we are we in for a treat next week? <laughs> I, I I've seen that match, and from what I remember, it's like two old women just duking it out over the last dress on sale. <laughs> the legs of Fritz von Erich are just old man disgusting. That's the best way I can I can think to even describe it. And you yelled at me for my line about Gouda cheese. <laughs> oh my god! I'm going to start coughing. <coughs> oh Christ! Right before I uh, die completely, let's move on to the questions. So, Ken Patera's jockstrap asked, <laughs> "Would you consider Paul Orndorff's WWF or WCW run more successful?" WWF in a landslide. I mean, yeah, obviously, the stuff with Hogan drew some of the biggest gates he had as WWF champion. Yeah, the whole ter- turning on Hogan stuff, the joining Bob, it was all memorable. Piper. Yeah, obviously the Piper stuff. I struggle, apart from Pretty Wonderful, I struggle to remember anything Paul Orndorff did in WCW. The most memorable thing he did in WCW happened backstage when he beat up Vader. That sums it up. So that's very true. But if people didn't know that and they just went off of his, you know, TV career and his pay-per-view career in WCW, the match against Steamboat was fine. Some of the pretty wonderful stuff was fine. But he, he was never really that prominent. You know, he was on pay-per-view with Sting in, in six-man tag matches, etc. But never really... Someone they they figured in for the you know the top spot or anywhere close. It shit in '86. He was a household name for that one year, pretty much. Like <laughs> the funniest thing about this <laughs> run during that time, the funniest thing during that time, they sold this Hulk Hogan's workout kit to little kids. Right, it came with like armbands and like a weight, like a two pound weight. But Dude, for the commercial so for it, for the commercial, it was Paul Orndorff selling Hulk Hogan's workouts. <laughs> what? A- what a slap in the face that is, huh? <laughs> oh, see, that's amazing. Just we've got nothing else for you. Can you sell the biggest stars products for him? He can't be bothered to turn up today, but you're here. Who's also your fucking rival in storyline, by the way? Oh, it's stuck there going, do I have any merch to sell? No, just sell Hogan's. That'll do. Imagine Four a commercial of, Randy, of, of fucking Randy Orton selling like John Cena's merch in like 09. When they were feuding. <laughs> oh, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> That's like a good stipulation, isn't it, for a match? Like the loser. You gotta sell my. You gotta else. push my shit if you lose. <laughs> Forget I mean, me and my why not? Why not? We've had WrestleMania matches based on a shampoo commercial, so fucking why not? <laughs> that is very true. God, that was bad. So, question three. Why didn't Bam Bam Bigelow take off after Survivor Series 87? Why did he leave? Was it money or what the fuck was the issue (laughs) why he left? Do you know? I can never remember. I cannot remember, but I know he went back to Japan and he went to the NWA for a time. I mean, I would have as well. It's like it was obvious he wasn't going to get over, you know, especially with Hogan at the top of the card. The ending to Survivor Series 87 said it all, Travis. I reviewed it on the Mr. Wonderful episode I did while you were while you were getting hitched, as it were, and Hogan just steals 
anything Bam Bam Bigelow built up throughout that match at the end when he comes swinging in, hitting Andre with the title. And it was like, well, Bigelow had the crowd. You know, they were com- completely behind him right up until the end. And then Hogan just storms in and pisses on his bonfire. Yeah, up until that, they totally made Bam Bam look like a million bucks even in defeat. And here comes Terry to fucking ruin it. Yeah. But that's a, that's, you know, that's a story of history, isn't it? He did it to Warrior at Mania 6. He's done it to a lot of other stars. But as to why Bigelow didn't take off after Survivor Series, I, I don't think Vince McMahon even probably considered him as a top star. I think, I think Vince thought he, was, he got reactions. He was, a, he was a babyface fat guy that Vince brought <coughs> in a few big evil fat guys. <laughs> that's what he wanted he wanted the fat guy killer so he brought in Bam Bam to feud with Bundy and gang on the house show loops and shit I mean who's to say we weren't there maybe Bammer didn't like the schedule at the time uh, Japan was a much lighter schedule who knows I, I, I mean if it, if it had been pitched to me basically as you're the good fat guy to uh, come in and knock down all the bad fat guys then I'm leaving as well there's no way I'm staying around just, just, just to be the good fat guy that, you know. But I, I think I said this as well. They could have turned him heel at the end of 87 and he'd have been a more believable big guy opponent for Hulk Hogan than one man gang or even Andre at that time because Andre was fucked, especially in that match if you go back and watch it. thing about Bam Bam too, he was actually really over at this time. People loved him. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's one of the missed opportunities. I don't think he would have ever got to the point where he would have dethroned Hulk Hogan or replaced him as you know the number one guy, the face of the company. But that's always been a mystery to me of why Bigelow didn't take off after Survivor Series. Yeah, because they debuted him as he, like you thought he was going to be this big deal because they did like the Miss Elizabeth gimmick or or no the Savage gimmick where all these managers were like fighting over who would manage him and it turns out Swerve I'm a babyface with Big Daddy Dink, uh, Big yeah. Daddy Dink. <laughs> <coughs> well, apologies for my Riddler laugh this week. I didn't laugh properly, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean one of the biggest missed opportunities, Travis, got to be like what. I, I'd love like a WWF what if, if Disney are listening, you know, like what if Bam Bam Bigelow had have taken off properly in, in November 1987? Well, thank goodness for the 2K games. You can always book that yourself. <laughs> Question four. Was Paul Orndorff the golden era big show when it came to heel turns? I mean, he certainly had a lot. Um... <laughs> Uh, that's a funny question no because when he did it people gave a shit did i break up on that did you get that um say it again i said no because when he did it people gave a shit yeah it's a a different time in it you know when the big show was doing it people were just fed up with the business they were drained by what the WWF were doing. They didn't really care in a way. It was, oh, look, Big Show's turned again. But then it was different because it was it was Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan, the aura of Hulk Hogan, made people buy into any storyline 
that surrounded him. And the, the Paul Orndorff heel turns and, you know, subsequent babyface turns did all revolve around Hulk Hogan. So I think that's why they work better than your regular, you know, heel turn. Because people yeah. just, they just cared. Plus, if you want to be honest, the big show of the 80s, as far as flip-flopping like that, was Ric Flair. I mean, come on. Yeah, God knows how many times he turned a week. Especially on house shows and different TV shows. and He must yeah. have turned babyface and heel hundreds of times, Travis. Even, even turns that people never knew happened. Yep. It's crazy. It's crazy. So thank you for those questions. We're going to move on to another new listener on Podbean, Jared Cordling. Hope I pronounced that right. On the return uh, of the... Was, damn it. I was hoping it was another name like Samojo's Nutsack or something. All right. <laughs> if, you're gonna, yeah, if you're going to subscribe to us in the future, give us some good names to read out on air. It amuses us as, as much as you, I'm sure. So on the return of the Ultimate Warrior episode, Jared asks... You popped up on my recommendations on Spotify and I was intrigued. Best decision I've made in ages. I've now listened to the last 10 episodes and can't wait to go through your back catalogue. Thank you very much indeed. Man, you guys are giving us quite the big heads this week. Thank you, thank you guys so much for all these compliments. They're, yeah. Absolutely. So, Jared asks... What does he ask? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Jared, I'm not well. I love... <laughs> Uh, it's sat here right in front of me, Travis, on the computer screen. I'm going, what the fuck does that say? We're just like, we're just like we'll just take the compliment out of the question and move on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just have a list of compliments next month. That'll be fine. No. So Jared yeah. asks, I, I love what ifs and how history could have changed on the spur of a decision. How different would history have been had Steve Borden and Jim Helwig taken on each other's characters in the 80s? So, and he clarifies at the end, had Borden become the ultimate warrior and Helwig become Sting? Things would have been pretty different, but I think eventually by 97, 98, things were going to have to change to Steve Austin in the Attitude Era. Just because yeah. he, we say it a million times, just society changed. Um, it would have been completely different, though. It, it's kind of really shitty we didn't get that. Because if any company deserved the work rate of Jim Helwig at the time, it was... NWA 89 because it was awful. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine now, though, sitting here and going, God, the Ultimate Warrior has had a you know longevity in wrestling that no one saw, but Sting, what a dickhead he was in the 90s. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you you know what would have been? Oh, I'm so mad we didn't get this now because the visual would have been. <laughs> So hilarious of Crow Hellwig in the Raptors with a little bird on his, but he's, he's got like he's got like a pigeon on his shoulder instead of a crit. It's like pooping on him, and it's like he's in one of his dumb duster jackets that he wore, and it's just shitting all over his duster jacket. He's got instead of a baseball bat, like he's got a a cricket bat or something. Oh, oh my, my god, god. that the brilliant. pigeon, the pigeon warrior, the pigeon warrior. <laughs> 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 oh my god is oh. is a one for you, for you travis would rick flair have still agreed to put over sting had he been jim helwig fuck no fuck no <laughs> you see that's where history differs because for me 
Sting was made by Ric Flair in 89 and his willingness to want to put him over and drop the title to him. How how different would the Sting character have been in 90, 91, even 92, had it not been for that initial want by Ric Flair to, to make this new young star? Had he looked at Jim Helwig as Sting and thought, I'll go with Luger instead? I don't know, man. I think Sting would have had it made in the shade. Because you said, I mean, you're right. He totally got elevated by Flair. One guy. But think about this. Had Sting been on the other side, he would have had not only been elevated by Hogan, but also rude and savage and, and perfect and all these fucking guys. Imagine that on top of just just Ric Flair. You know? Do you, do you, do you really believe Hogan would have looked at Sting and gone, yeah, I, I'm going to put him over me? If, if Vince wanted it. I mean, Vince wanted Warrior. Hogan didn't want Warrior. Vince, Hogan just went along with it, you know? And then tried to overshadow him completely. I mean, I, I can say, I, I think, I mean, obviously, Warrior versus Hogan, as we know it, is a classic WrestleMania match. But I think a, a Steve Borden Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan in 88, 89, 90. You know, even 91 as Hogan was winding down. I think that could have been one of the biggest feuds of all time had they had the the nous and you know the willingness to to keep it running. It would have gone down as Hogan's best in ring mania match, more so than Savage. I even feel like because Sting was doing like planches and shit, even more than Savage. I think Sting would have made Hogan look like three billion bucks. And across the pond, Travis, we'd have got Jim Helwig versus Lex Luger for an extended period of time. Said vicious. Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts. I think. How how show loop? Thirty straight days of a handicap match. Jim Helwig versus the skyscrapers. Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious in NWA. God bless Dan Spivey. That's what I say on this podcast now. Friend and of Warrior the podcast. Goes Warrior goes ever every fucking time too. Squash is two seven foot guys. I I I think a lot. I I think a lot of careers would have been damaged by this reversal. Now I'm thinking about it. One or two would have been made on the WWF side. A lot of careers would have been just dead on the NWA WCW side. I feel like too because the one thing Warrior, Jim Helwig always had going for him in WWF he. No matter how much of a dickhead he was backstage, had his own dressing rooms, isolated the boys, would say the shittiest things to the boys. He always had that card up his sleeve of having Vince 100% in his corner. That was always his get-out-of-jail-free card. And the more I think about it, if Warrior was there in NWA, he probably would have been run the fuck out by that locker room. He business. <laughs> they wouldn't have put up that shit. You're going to tell the fucking Road Warriors to fuck off without Vince in your corner? No. Or Harley, a Harley Rice, you know, you know. Harley Race, Terry Funk, these <laughs> fucking guys, they'll shoot you. Literally shoot you. <laughs> oh, dear. So uh, going on that, we're going to say it's an interesting proposition, but history would have changed greatly, not just for Sting and the Warrior, but for everybody around them. A, yeah. lot, of dead career, a lot of dead careers in Jim Helwood's wake in the NWA. And we would have got, I'm actually mad about this too. Now we would have got a, a sting comic book instead of that dumbass warrior one. And it probably would have been good if it was sting instead of what we got. 
didn't we get a Sting comic book in the nine like Attitude Era? I'm sure there was a Crow Sting there, comic book somewhere. And the added in the Attitude Era, probably I'm blurry on it. I know in the early '90s, Valiant Comics did like the WWF line because I had a, yeah. an issue where it was like it was like Virgil fighting DiBiase and Scrooge McDuck's fault or something. I think WCW had a had a comic line for a little bit too. I'm pro- I'm almost 100. percent So we need to search it out now because that's definitely something that we need to own. Thank you for that question, Jared. That should, that should be a that should be a special episode one day where we review like these issues of these WWF issues from like 1990. See, I'd love that. That'd be fantastic. The comic collector series. Maybe we'll yeah. do it. We've got 2023 to film with Sonic Travis. So question yeah. two by Jared on the Best of British Bulldog episode. The Allied powers should have worked. Was it just a lack of creativity that sunk them? Or was it because 1995 Davy Boy Smith and Lex Luger were no longer seen as main players? It, it wasn't that. It was the lack of it not being 1985. It was the wrong Ooh. time for that team. 85, they would have been bigger than the U.S. Express. 95, come on. Oh, I don't think it helped that Luger was basically a, a non-entity in the company now. You know, they'd screwed him over at SummerSlam 93. That that was the peak there. You know, he wasn't going any further than that. They weren't good. We knew they weren't going to put the title on him anymore. And, you know, what, 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 did they, what was Davey Boy really doing in 94 when he came back after SummerSlam? He had that yeah. team with Bret Hart for a while against Owen and Anvil. And then it was basically straight into the Allied powers. I, I don't think they did either of them any favours, you know, in the run up to the Allied powers. But they definitely should have been a bigger team than they were. Between the three things: the SummerSlam '93 match, the WrestleMania 10, and the Tatanka selling out and turning on him at SummerSlam in '94. Those three things right there just made Lex look like a dunce to the fans, and he, the booking of that the that booking made people stop believing in Lex. Period. Yeah. And the feuds weren't great either. Crush, Tatonka, Borger. You know, it, it was just one dud after the next. Yeah. <laughs> Crush. Why would you give Crush to him? Fuck. Like they almost didn't want him to work. Borga? I mean... <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it's a shame because Tony Halm was a decent wrestler in Japan. Yeah, what the and fuck then, happened in that transition? He was awful yeah. in the... It's... <laughs> yeah, they, they named him Lundford Borga, put a finished flag on the front of him, and suddenly he forgets, forgets what wrestling is. Let's what not forget they, made, they, they turned it sideways, too. They made it crooked, so it looked, ooh, it's scary, it's an axe. <laughs> and also he looked, he looked like he already looked like he had a stroke to me that's like the left side of his face was always a bit gone i could bury ludwig ludwig borga for hours because he was not a good person in real life <laughs> oh i'm sure we'll get our chance though travis you know we've, we've got the superstar series coming back in the new year maybe we should can, do one on tony Helm. can you imagine I don't want to ever do that episode. If it comes to that, if it comes to that new series. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it'd be the. It'd be I'd the rather do. I would rather do a three-part superstar series on fucking Mike Shaw than one on Ludwig <laughs> Borga. 
<laughs> oh. oh, fucking hell. Okay, so on the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff episode, Jared says, was the WCW Paul Orndorff the same person as the WWF Paul Orndorff? I could have sworn he died in 1988. <laughs> now, I did. Now, I, I laughed when I uh, read this. Not not because you did anything wrong, Jared, but because there was a rumour that Paul Orndorff died in 1988. Um, but he didn't. It is the same the same guy uh i can see where you got confused there was a rumor i'm sure if you looked on the internet and maybe maybe you did maybe that's why you wrote in with that question but it definitely the same paul orndorff i thought he was like low-key insulting him so that's why i laughed um <laughs> he, he didn't die he just was in limbo in herb abrams uwf um I feel Career like we already death. answered this question earlier, but I'll, try, I'll answer it again. He was absolutely a bigger star in the WWF. That's, that's yeah. the question again. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he felt like he died when he left the WWF because he just fell off, fell off the edge of the wrestling world. Maybe that's it, Travis. Can we just say, all jokes aside, rest in peace, Poland, or if that was really sad to watch a guy that was such a man's man go out like that. I don't know Mongo is struggling with the same gimmick right now and like where he goes out to the families. Absolutely. It's, it's it's a tragedy when any wrestler dies. Like whether it's you know heart attack or overdose, etc. But but when when a wrestler goes out and it's prolonged, like you know, like it was with Orndorf, like it is with Steve McMichael. You know, they're a shadow of their former self in the end. It's like, I prefer to remember them as they were. Bobby Heenan, it's, it's fucking heartbreaking. Oh, Bobby Heenan was the worst one for me, Travis. When I saw the picture of him, Same. like, just, oh, just heartbreaking. Just absolutely heartbreaking. It's so, so it, it was, for me, it was essentially watching my childhood rot and die in front yeah. of me. It sucked. It's it's just horrible. So, question four. Now, we, we, we've answered a version of this earlier, but 1987 Hulk Hogan versus 1992 Sting. Who wins and where are the fans on this? Hogan. Um, <laughs> just like Hogan. Hogan fucking well, winning. <laughs> 92 Sting, God bless him, wasn't drawing shit. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, fan fan wise, I, I I think probably split down the middle. You know, Sting that's had his fans in '92. Yeah, he did. That's an open ended ass question because it, what's it based off of? I mean, if we're yeah. just doing business here, you're going Hogan all day. I mean, come on, '87 Hogan, WrestleMania three Hogan. Besides '98 <laughs> Steve Austin, who's top in WrestleMania three Hogan to begin with? <laughs> that is very true. I mean, fan-wise, I I don't know. Like you say, open-ended. It depends. You know, yeah. it, it, is there, is there a storyline going into this? You know, is does Sting turn on Hogan? In which case, that might make '92 Sting a little bit cooler for fans to they're having a, cheer. They're having a match. The they're having a match now. Is the question? 
Well, that's, that's, how, that's how I interpreted it. Like, 87 Hogan versus 92 Sting. Who wins? Oh. Uh, okay. Well, um, if I'm booking it, sorry, I misunderstood the question, guys. I'm Every time in that scenario when the babyface is established and I got an up-and-comer, I'm always going to try to at least pass the torch. I'm going to give it the old college try, so I'm passing the torch and I'm giving the rub to Sting. Submission, pinfall, countout. Pinfall. I, for one, if I do a count out, I'm, I'm going to have a riot. Sure. Uh, in the arena. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I kind of in a warrior way where like he, you know, he gets out of the way of the big leg and maybe stinger splash or some shit. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could say that. I mean, but you don't, you don't 87. In, in my wrestling philosophy, you don't ever take an 87 Hogan, Hogan, excuse me, and make him submit to a heel or a baby face. You never do that. Oh, I'm now I'm just picturing Hogan tapping out in the middle of the ring to, to sting. A fans just sitting there like, what the fuck was that? Is the only time he ever tapped out to Kurt Angle and Brock in that bear hug? There's only two times I can think of. I think it was. At least that's how WWE spin it. I mean, there might have been other instances on house shows in WCW, you know, when he was nah, Hollywood Hogan. Nah, no way. What a fucking egomaniac. No way that happened. Even on house shows, he, he wouldn't do the job for people. Imagine him agreeing to, to tap out to Brett Sharpshooter. Yeah, right. <laughs> he did agree to lose the Jacques Room show in Canada, though. So, you know... Everyone loses the Jacques Rougeau in Canada, though. I mean, Jesus Christ would lose the Jacques Rougeau in Canada back then. It's just how oh. it would be. What, what a cop-out answer that was. Well, everyone loses to Jacques Rougeau in Canada. You know? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Back in the day, that shit was so true. It didn't matter, it didn't matter who the fuck you were. Undertaker, <laughs> jobbing out. Jacques Rougeau. It's Montreal. Oh, dear. So we're moving on to Casey Erickson on Podbean and the return. We're back with the Ultimate Warrior, Travis. Casey asks us, do you think the WWF took the WWF title off the Warrior at Rumble 91 because it wasn't the success it should have been or because they needed a huge foil for Hogan at WrestleMania? I think it was a combination of both. Um, even if it would have been a success, I feel like because he was doing the tour, how many times, you know, during all American wrestling and primetime during that time, they would always show these little clips right before they went to commercial of Hogan being over there in desert storm, visiting with the troops. You never saw warrior doing that. I think the winds were going to blow over to Hogan for that. And warrior didn't warrior did not do what Vince thought he would, as far as being the next Hogan, he just didn't. The numbers prove that. There you go. Uh, obviously, we, we've been through the original plan for WrestleMania 7 already. There was a little bit of that in it. But you wanted Hogan, you know, coming out of WrestleMania as champion. You needed a big foil for him so people would, you know, cheer him and, and get behind him. In a way, they didn't, you know, completely at WrestleMania 6 when it was babyface versus babyface. There were a lot of Warriors fans out there who were cheering for the Ultimate Warrior noticeably if you go back and watch watch wrestlemania 6. so yeah. i think lesson learned there travis they didn't want face versus face they wanted someone who would be hated enough that people would go "Fuck yeah we want hogan as champion again exactly 
So thank you for that, KC. Hanson T on Podbean on our Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff episode asks, if Hulkamania hadn't been a thing in the 80s, could Orndorff have been WWF champion just from the reactions he got as a babyface? I think that was that was plan B, wasn't it? Besides possibly Steamboat, I think, yeah, I do. I don't think yeah, it would have hit. I don't think it would have hit as hard as Hulkamania because he wasn't the showman Hogan was. I don't think we're getting rock and wrestling cartoon with Paul Orndorff as the star. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, I, I can't. It's hard now to look back on on the eighties WWF and see anyone but Hogan. As yeah. the top attraction, I can't see as good as Steamboat was, and I love Ricky Steamboat. I can't see him as WWF champion, at least for an extended period of time. I don't know. I'm gonna. I, I'm. Allnuff could have been champion. Of course, he could have been. It would have been an easy, you know, transition from, you know, Backland to Orndorff, or from Iron Sheep to Orndorff, but. I, I don't see anyone being as big as Hulkamania. I, I think had Hulk Hogan not come along, the title and the you know the main event picture would have just flowed into late 1989 until the Ultimate Warrior came along and then Vince jumped on that. It was crucial at that time for Vince's top guy to be that head-turning guy that people go, who is that guy? Essentially... And it's not ironic that he borrowed a lot of his shtick and he looked like him. Hogan at this time in the 80s was what superstar Billy Graham was in the 70s, where in the 70s, people saw saw Billy Graham for the first time. They go, who is this? And they were captivated. You needed that kind of guy on top like a Hogan. Because Bob Backlund wasn't going to get it. (laughs) Oh, plain old Bob. I'm not even even trying to be funny when I say that because... the McMahon stick that whole time was booking their top guy in baby faces. This all American, a Bruno, even wasn't American, but like this wholesome, you know, athlete as your champ, Bob Backlund, Bruno fucking, you know? Yeah. So here's another one then, Travis. Hulkamania doesn't come along. Orndorff doesn't get the title. Does it go to Piper? Do you risk a heel champion for an extended period of time? No, you don't do a heel champion at all at that time. You're trying to cross, cross appeal, cross market, the MTV, the cartoon. You're trying to go hard with your harbinger being the biggest baby face in the world for a good two to three years because you're trying to get different balls and different avenues in marketing and motion. And you're not going to do that with a heel on top. As good as Piper, it's just not going to happen. Good answer. I mean, I, I, like I said, like you said, I should say, you know, I, I can't see a, a Mr. Wonderful cartoon. I can't see massive endorsements. So maybe it would have been better going with a steamboat. At least you've got the whole dragon thing. You know, you can make some fantasy-wise out of that. But again, it's, a big, it, it's a big what if, too, on the other side at this time. If Magnum TA had never gotten his car wreck, yeah, I mean, could he have? Been, because I think that was NWA's their biggest, their, their best talent was also their biggest flaw. Because the guy on top was a heel, and it wasn't working on a Hogan level with Flair there. Yeah, you had Dusty feuding, but Dusty had already been established for the past ten fucking years. People were ready for new. And had Magnum God not gotten in that car wreck, I'm not saying Magnum was as charismatic <laughs> as Hogan. He can't hold a candle to Hogan as far as that. But it would have been. 
it would have been a good test run before Sting as a top babyface to that extent. And unfortunately, having to rely on Flair, having to have the babyface chase, that's what held them back from getting, I feel like, you know, the cartoons and all this shit, like WWF got with the superhero on top. Yeah. It was for kids, whereas NWA was still relying on the old school territory wrestling fans. And that's fucking fine. They were two different things for two different sets of fans. And I feel like had Crockett gone more towards children and not in the Jim Hurd way, in a good way, then <laughs> who knows what would have There you go. Excellent question. Thank you very much for that. So we're going to move on to Harper P on Podbean now, Travis, who's got a wealth of questions for us, six in total. Asks on our Question Time episode five. You've got a gun to your head and you have to pick one to watch for the rest of your life. Phineas Godwin, Midian or Naked Midian? Uh, Phineas, because he's wearing fucking clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Goth Dennis Knight didn't quite strike the right chord with me either. Um, Hopefully I never have a gun to my head anytime soon. (laughs) I mean... What, what, what was your opinion of Naked Midian? We've never really gone into early 2000 WWF Naked Midian territory. Desperation, finding something <laughs> for a guy who's in the BSK, who Taker vouches for. <laughs> that, trying to make Taker happy because he's in his little clique. Trying to just give him something before they inevitably have to cut bait because you're Dennis Knight. <laughs> just because you're Dennis Knight I mean <laughs> you know what's crazy you know what's amazing about Dennis Knight I've watched believe it or not I've sat through like a two hour Godwin shoot interview on like high spots he actually went to like after the business he went to culinary school he's like this big accomplished yeah. chef now it's crazy I mean good for him because the wrestling was never gonna work out for him although did you see and this isn't uh, a Phineas Godwin thing. Did you see Henry Godwin competing not so long ago? He did. He looked good. I he can't even complain. He looked better than his fucking prime. He looked better than he did in 95. Jesus exactly. Christ. <laughs> I did see that. That made me that actually made me smile from ear to ear watching that. Because he looked like he was just having fun. Yeah. Good, good for him. Absolutely. So question two from Harper. You mentioned WWF had the ultimate roster in the late 80s to early 90s. Do you think they're close to the ultimate roster in the present? And if not, which 10 names would they have to add from outside the company for you to consider it an ultimate roster? So I'm going to let you go with this one, Travis, because it's too much talking for me. I don't think they have the ultimate roster now. I think they have a lot of modern wrestling. Really? It's God (laughs) to make the ultimate roster. Now. I mean, MJF is going to be my top heel, my top baby face to counteract MJF. Dude, I don't know. To be completely honest, I just, I don't, I don't see a lot of guys with X factors in modern wrestling. It factors. No. I just I see a lot of good fucking hands. It's just really unbalanced. There, there's a lot of guys and gals who are good at 
one or two specific things, but we've talked about this earlier to come full circle. Now I just, I don't think it's possible for me to, for my tastes, it's not possible to build the ultimate roster right now. It just isn't. There's yeah. I'm being honest. Well, if WWE were to add like FTR, Brian Danielson, Alistair Black back to their ranks, do you think that would bring them closer to an ultimate roster? I think it makes them bloated. I think both companies are in territories of there's just too much. There's too much to work with. And that can be just as bad as being in AWA in 88 where you got Brewster Griffin and shitty talent and nothing to work with. Well, having too much to work with can be just as dangerous. Um, I don't think FTR I'll take because the tag divisions in WWE are so pathetic. And I can't stomach another Street Profits title reign or a New Day or an Usos. My God, it's driving me insane. Yeah. yeah, I'll take FTR, but I don't think Daniel Bryan's honestly needed right now. Can't believe I'm saying that, but I just don't. Wow. Okay. I'd never expected you to say that, to be honest. But well, look what they look how they booked him on his way out. What's there for him to do? What's yeah. you know, like I don't know. Well, I'm sure he'll go back at some point. Daniel Bryan is actually with the, the 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 buffet of all the WWE guys AEW signed. He's actually one of the few I wholeheartedly agree with should be there. Now, how they're using him, I don't agree with, but he should be on in AEW right now. There you go. And while we're talking about people swapping, and uh, I think we should say congratulations to William Regal because what a position is landed. WWE. I know. And yeah, deserved though, Travis. You know, the, the business mind on him, the, the, the performance center is only going to benefit from, you know, his tutelage as well. Because you know he's going to be down there when he can. He, he's not just going to sit in an office and, you know, type away and pick up a phone. He's going to be hands on. Well, you knew when it was announced that Triple H was taking over in August anyway. It was a matter of time. They're best fucking friends. Yeah. He didn't want to leave. His goddamn son is there, people. All the AEW cultists butthurt about this. Why wouldn't he fucking go? And now that we know the job position, it's a layup. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. And I would expect Charlie Dempsey now to receive some sort of massive push. Well, they got to be careful with that, though. You don't want to... I'll do it again. The streak lives on. You don't want to Eric Watts this. You are not comparing Charlie Dempsey to Eric Watts. Not on this show, Travis. You can very easily book a guy to where the fans resent him, like an Eric Watts, because of who his dad is, though. No, that, that is very true. But I, I think Charlie Dempsey possesses enough talent you know, for, for people to look at him and go, yeah, all right, his dad's William Regal, but at the same time, he can hold his own in the ring. I would absolutely love a tag team with him and Pete Dunne one day. Where Dunn's kind of like the mentor. For one, they look like brothers. <laughs> you think? They look so much alike to me in the face. Also, what are they doing with Charlie Dempsey on NXT now? I, I don't watch it anymore, so... Are they I, doing anything with him? Or is he just wasted? I'm the last person anyone should ever ask about what's going on in NXT. I, I don't I have no clue. Can't Fair watch. enough. Drop us a line on Twitter to tell tell us what Charlie Dempsey's done or doing in NXT right now. Because if they're wasting him, then it gives me even more of a reason to hate NXT than I already do. 
I longed for a time when I actually got excited for takeover pay-per-views. Now I know it's must-miss TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and sorry, Alex, Sean, I love you as a wrestler. You're a legend. But what are you doing? Where, where's Dragonov been? I've not heard his name mentioned in since Halloween Havoc, and we're now at Christmas. Excellent. You know, <laughs> book your fucking stars properly, especially ones with talent, you know? You've got Bron Breaker as champion still, and yet you're letting Devlin, you're letting Dragonov, you're letting Bate just dissolve into the background. I've not heard, apart from Devlin, I've not heard any of them other names, Travis, for months. Well, you know, real quick, you want to bring up Mustache Mountain? You want to get into the other half real quick, where he landed? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't best pleased to see Trent Seven in AEW, but I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's got, you know, I'm not going to say a main spot because he's going to be on YouTube in two weeks. I'm happy he's got a shot with one of the main companies, um, you know, on a a bigger stage than NXT UK was, arguably. But it's not going to work for Trent Seven, sadly. I don't think Tony Khan knows what he's got. I don't think Tony Khan even knows who he is. I I don't think Tony Khan is even going to give him time to prove He's, you know, one of the best technical wrestlers on his roster. Tony Khan's been running an E-Fed since 95. Tony Khan knows every wrestler since the beginning of time, trust me. <laughs> Did you see? I think they're going to put him in Ring of Honor. Is what they're teasing. Well, now, that would be interesting. I would love to see Claudio Castagnoli against Trent Seven. I would love to see Trent Seven against some of these upstarts. You know, Trent Somebody Seven go. versus Keith Somebody Lee. Go. Samoa Joe, that would be fantastic. They would rip the shit out of each other. I would watch Ring of Honor to see Trent Seven. I cannot bring myself morally to watch AEW to see Trent Seven. Imagine if they ever uh, got Tyler Bate out of there and we got the Briscoes versus Mustache Mountain. See, that would be fantastic. And obviously, if they don't use Tyler Bate for NXT Europe and they just squander him, then I think it would take something huge for him not to join Ring of Honor and link back up with Trent Seven. This is just a fucking mentor, man. Absolutely. I know Pete Dunn's on the main roster now, so Tyler Bate will have that hope that he can, you know, get there and do what Pete Dunn's done with a pretty terrible character. But look well look yeah. where Pete Dunn is now. Look where Butch is now, Travis. Like I yep. never saw this coming a year yeah. ago. I, I can't believe it's taken us this long to actually bring this up. Shout out to Pete Dunn for just flat out making this shit work. Yeah. So the talent of the man. I do hope he reverts to Pete Dunn again soon, though. Fingers crossed. Should we move on from this one, Travis? Yeah, how many have we got left this week? We have got, let's see, let's say about eight left. Let's do it. Give up. Give or take one or two. So this is going to be a pretty easy one. I think we've answered this one in short form before. Why has Tony Khan signed so many ex-WWE guys when he has no intention of using them properly? Um, I, I don't think it's that he has no intention. I think he has a very short attention span. I think when he bought Ring of Honor now, it's just like a kid in a candy store, which is, God, that's <laughs> dangerous. I, I don't think it's he doesn't have plans for him. He doesn't know how to book. Said it before, and I'm sick of saying it. He needs a booker. Yeah. Yeah, he's burnt out. He's overworked. And uh, I don't, I, what is this? 
did I hear this right, Travis? I'm sure you've heard it better than me this week because I've not really been with it. 365-day non-compete clause in a contract. The Regal stuff, William Regal? No, I'm hearing it on... I can't remember who else said they've got it. But apparently AEW have been putting clauses in contracts uh, where wrestlers can't wrestle for a whole year after leaving AEW. I'm not sure. That sounds pretty fucking dramatic. Would he be that cold-hearted? That's... I don't know. I think you, I think you would. And if that's true, obviously... We're not saying it is because we've not got it verified. It's just something I heard in passing. I'd have to look into it more. But if that was true, then fuck you, AEW fans, for lambasting WWE for putting a three-month or you know, or a six-month or a 90-day clause in, in their wrestlers' contracts. The whole year? That's fucking ridiculous. It's hard for me to believe it's true simply because during the pandemic, he I will give him credit for this. He went out of his way to make sure he didn't have to fire anyone you know, make sure people got paid. It that would be a complete 180 in such a short period of time. I'd, I, it's hard for me to believe it's true. We definitely, we definitely need to look into that a bit more. So we're going to move on to. Gonna, I go on. I don't, I don't want to blast Tony Khan for something he probably didn't do either. So <laughs> yet. So we're going to move on to our Union Smack shorts episode, Marty Gennetti versus Doink. On which, and I'm sorry I forgot who sent this in, Harper P asks, <clears throat> or says first, love these mini episodes on Forgotten Matches. I'd love more in the series. So many classic matches that could be included. Well, Travis has got one coming your way in the next few weeks on the old Cindy Lauper music video. I'll let Travis tell you more about that shortly. But next question, did WWF strike gold with Matt Bourne as Doink? I always felt like they thought they were just getting a comedy character when they were getting a great worker too. Oh, they did. The criminal thing about it is they don't know what the fuck they had until it was gone. When they had to put Ray Apollo under it, it was never the same <laughs> guy. <laughs> I did love Ray Apollo as Doink, though. I've got a fondness for Ray Apollo's Doink. But yeah, they he was great. They just they didn't realize it. Or I should say Vince didn't realize it. I'm sure somebody yeah. there recognized how good he was. And I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I'm sure had he had his demons under control as well, then 94 Doink would have been a lot different to what we actually got. Because, you know, Matt Bourne versus Bam Bam Bigelow. See, that, that would have been a great singles match. Maybe. <laughs> you think? Talking big Josh and Bam Bam Bigelow, maybe. I mean, he pulled it. He pulled it out the bag with Kurt Hennig. He pulled it out the bag with Marty Jannetty. <clears throat> Bam Bam was one of the best big men to ever lace up a pair of boots. I, I, I think they could have worked something out. It probably would have been good. It would have been funny just to see Bam Bam take the stump puller. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Travis, I'd have fucking preferred that any day to. To Bam Bam and Luna versus Doink and Dink at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> so, question five. Why do you think Doink is often remembered and regarded as one of the fondest, fondest remembered wrestlers when he was never a main player? Doink, the whole the get up, he, to this day, he's the, really the, besides IC fucking P, if you want to count that, the only wrestling clown gimmick. The real, or maybe Oscar, you could say when she did that, but 
just so fucking colorful and the pranks and some of the ridiculous goddamn storylines, you know? Yeah. And I think when people remember Doink, they often forget the Matt Bourne evil Doink iteration. You know, it, it's the... more the Ray Apollo with Dink and but there was there was a Doink before Ray Apollo and he was fucking good. I, I think that gets overlooked as well. Plus, Tiger Jackson, the, the, the uh, little person wrestler who played Dank, was actually a goddamn one of the most established little people wrestlers before he took that gimmick. Like, he's a legend in middle and midget wrestling. Good payday, though, for not doing much. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> another thing, too, is a lot of people's biggest fear is the fear of clowns. And I think that really stuck with people. Yeah. I mean, it did with me as a kid. The stuff when he attacked Crush with the false arm and. Yeah, that that gave me nightmares when I was a kid. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Yeah. Plus the it's an illusion, the double doings. Who could forget that? So many classic memories. But I, you know, I, I can see where that question came from because Doink for me is one of the not the greatest wrestlers, but one of the greatest characters in professional wrestling, hands down. Yeah, the evil version, definitely. <laughs> this man does not like Ray Apollo, ladies and gentlemen. So let's I move like, on. Go. Cool. I like Ray Apollo. <laughs> no problem with the Ray Apollo. <laughs> Sorry, Ray, if you're listening. Question six. If you could have booked one match for Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania, what would it have been? I mean, hands down for me, Bret Hart Taker. for the WWF Championship. I would have booked Taker in a casket match. Good, a good, those, that would have been a great big man match. <laughs> I mean, we got Taker versus Bam Bam though like, on Superstars, and I know it was like four minutes, but it just what it wasn't a very good four minutes. Well, so who's gonna I, have? A, who's gonna have a good match in four fucking minutes? <laughs> I mean, that is true, but then can, can you see a Green Undertaker and you know a, a, a reaching his his peak, Bam Bam Bigelow having a good WrestleMania match? Maybe they would have if you'd give them 20 minutes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Bam Bam Bigelow wasn't setting my world on fire at this time. I wouldn't have put him in. Like, I loved his matches with Brett, but I wouldn't have put him in a world title picture at WrestleMania unless I want no one to show up at WrestleMania that year. Oh, I love it. Let's shift on the memory of some more dead wrestlers. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <clears throat> I mean, the best scenario, I think, for that would have had to have been someone like Bret Hart, someone who could have carried a Bigelow who was reaching his peak. I, I yeah. you know, around 93, 94, there weren't that many other wrestlers in the WWF who could have done that. I mean, obviously, if we're fantasy booking it, Travis, we could probably bring in anyone else from any other company. You know uh, what? You know you know what would have been a great fucking match at WrestleMania. You could have give it time. Give give David and Goliath it one two three kid and Bam Bam and have one two three kid get the upset and a great match. See that would have been very good, and I think that's a story Bam Bam Bigelow could have told and probably would have enjoyed telling as well because he'd have got the majority of the offense, but then he would have he'd have had the role to play of you know the slow declining giant. It was giving way to this young upstart. I, that that would have been fascinating, and that could have got the wheels turning, the ball rolling on a, a slow burn to turn in babyface, start making them. And, and better than the corporation shit, 
Get him oh, the fuck out of there. That was fucking terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> God. Oh, God. Thank you very much for those. We're going to a friend and a good, lis- a good listener. Shut up, Matthew. <sighs> a long-time listener of the show on Twitter, Lucas Hackett, asks, what favourite... What's your favourite wrestling theme song as of right now? Shout out to Luke Hackett. Great guy. Big supporter of the YouTube channel and the show. Uh, right now... <laughs> This is a difficult one for me. <sighs> like I what's think, stuck in my head lately? Or? I mean, all he says is favorite wrestling theme song as of right now. Lately, for some reason, I have no clue why. I've had the NWO jobber theme in my head. The bound, 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 out. I've had that in my head. <laughs> like this, this Bush League generic Jimi Hendrix cover. Um, I'm not even going to ask why. I'm a sucker for all the cheesy theme songs, just like all you guys. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go Brawling Brutes. I, I, I think that inspires something, you know, when it, every time it hits. I think that's very good. Sheamus, I would have said... Seamus' theme is actually really badass. It makes me want to fight a motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. It, it lights something in you. I would have gone Imperium, but I've not heard the proper Imperium theme tune for about a year now. So that's out the window. Um, <clears throat> see, I'm, I'm just going off of pay-per-views because that's all I really watch now. <sighs> so it's probably going to be Brawling Brutes, though. Obviously, Roman Reigns' theme tune, I think, is is very suitable for the character he's portraying. It's pretty, it's pretty good. There you go. Question two for Lucas. Which one of these games would you prefer? And actually, I think we've played them all, Travis. WWF Super WrestleMania, WWF Raw Rumble, or WWF Raw? For me, Raw Rumble was always a favourite as a child on the, the Super Nintendo. But there's something about Raw I remember playing and just thinking it was one of the best games I'd ever played. I, 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 and this was, when did it come out, Travis? 94, 95? 94. 94. I, I, I liked the, the roster on it as well. You could play as Luna, you could play as one, two, three kids. So maybe that was part of my fascination. Yeah, you, know, you could you could play as new wrestlers who had never been on, on games before. But for me, I know there was similar Rumble and, and Raw, but I'm going for Raw. I like Raw the most as a kid because you had like the silly super moves. Right? I remember like Yokozuna would like jump from turnbuckle to turnbuckle and do a cannonball yes yeah quang quang was a secret character you can't top that worst what's the worst wrestling game travis i mean for me hands down in your house was fucking atrocious uh at least it's playable because (laughs) i just bought an n64 like last month on my honeymoon and i've had the game backstage assault forever and i've never really played it it's got to be that. There's no ring. Oh, and it's just... I mean, uh, it, it's in the title, Travis. Backstage Assault. Did you think there'd be a ring? Did you Did you imagine it'd be proper wrestling? You ever play that game? No. I gave so, it a wide berth when it came out. Go play it and then tell me if your pick for worst game is still your worst. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> 
Um, the oh. the WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania on NES, atrocious. You're like two fat penguins on an ice skating rink, just twirling around. <laughs> There's so many bad wrestling. It's Super Brawl for Super Nintendo's fucking dog shit. Oh, I forgot that existed. King of the That's... Ring and Game Boy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we could do oh. a whole episode on this. You see, as bad as bad as some of the wrestling games were, I, I sort of wish they'd do what they did with the, the the Turtles game and just bring out all the versions on on one disc. It's going to be tough because a lot of like different companies developed and licensed it. Yeah. Even if it's possible, but that would be amazing. Just, just the whole my whole childhood on one disc. That'd be fucking brilliant. You're putting all those games on one compilation. It better be a $5 compilation. That's all I'm paying for that shit. <laughs> be in the barking bin in a week. <laughs> Speaking of playing my N64, I also got Revenge while I was on my honeymoon. That game has oh. still aged. It's aged so well. It's still good. See, I can't remember ever playing it. My favorite WCW game was Mayhem. I have that too on 64. It, a lot of people hate that game. I always like. I always defend Mayhem. See, I loved Mayhem. It, it, it always struck me as like a real, a proper fans wrestling game. You know, you, you could do moves you couldn't do on other games. They threw them out the ring over the top rope properly. It's like, like, you don't even get that on 2K anymore. You know, but it was a proper action. You know what I mean? It's just little things that count with me, Travis, in games sometimes. Some of the animations were great in that game. I also appreciated, like, just the whole presentation was really good on the entrances and getting all the music's in there and shit. Full pay-per-view sets as well. Yeah, and they come through the pay-per-view sets. As I, it's just, again, like, attention to detail. Love Mayhem. I miss playing I that. Always, I always hated in, like, the first two SmackDown games for PlayStation 1 how the entrances are just them walking in front of the Titantron for, like, 30 seconds. Not even 30 seconds. That was fucking horrendous. If Mayhem can do it with that, there's no reason SmackDown and SmackDown 2 couldn't have done it with, yeah, with, with, with the advancements they had. Well, then you see what we got today, and, like, I was playing uh, 2K22 the other week, and my wife walks in, and she thought I was actually watching wrestling. I'm like, no, I'm playing. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I've not played that game for months. I, I have fell well and truly out of wrestling games, Travis, right now. Yeah. How many have we got? We've not got many more. So, Lucas, his last question. Who would win in a fictional dream match? Bonesaw McGraw or Captain Insano? Nobody beats Bonesaw McGraw. Come on. <laughs> you, see Captain Sano, you see Captain Insano pop up on AEW the other week with the acclaimed? I saw the picture of Big Show. I mean, you know, the picture was enough for me. <laughs> I thought you'd but, say something like fucking ludicrous isn't it just it was that, enough for me too i'm agreeing trust me just ludicrous ludicrous shit but i'm gonna say the same bonesaw mcgraw all the way so our last five questions travis from little fishy on podbean on the return of the ultimate warrior episode and there's only three more warrior questions travis steal yourself was mm. hulk hogan or rick rude ultimate warrior's greatest rival in your opinion rick rude 
um, because he was the complete opposite of what the warrior represented and was. And he brought out the absolute best in Warrior in those matches. Yeah, yeah I, I can't disagree. Some of the finest Warrior matches you'll ever see that aren't Randy Savage related in WWF. Exactly. Question two. What was the biggest contribution to the Warriors' disastrous final run in WCW? Um, no, I'm just, remem- I'm just remembering all of that shit. Just the, the ghost warrior in the mirror. Where Hulk Hogan's looking at it. Just terrible. The biggest, contribute, the biggest contribution was actually them being able to beat Raw for the first time in a while for like two or three weeks. That was it. <laughs> but what, what do you think made the Warriors run so disastrous? It just couldn't be bothered. Did they not know how to book him? Was he just past it, do you think? All of it. All of that, 100%. I think the biggest being he was just a shell of himself in the ring. Because, yeah. I mean, yes, they were doing dumb shit with, like, the mirror and, you know, the disciple, Jesus Christ. But they they could have salvaged it had the match been passable, and it, was, it wasn't even passable. Passable would have been a huge compliment for that match. It was terrible. Oh, <laughs> uh, you must watch it. If if you've never seen this match, it is dog shit. But you must watch it just because it's so bad. Oh, we don't say that very often, Travis. And question three, last Ultimate Warrior question of the month: Was the Ultimate Warrior incapable of wrestling during his final WWF run in '96, or did he just not care anymore? He didn't give a fucking shit. He just he was there for one reason: to self promote. His fucking bullshit wrestling school, his stupid comic words he was making up like distrucity that's not a real word. It's all about the payday. That's why exactly why the fuck he left in July. Of all the men who could have opened up a wrestling school. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, oh, come train at come train at the Giant Gonzalez Wrestling Academy. It's about like that. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. On our Best of the British Bulldog episode, creatively, the Bulldog's first singles run was a disaster. Why do you think it worked so well with the fans? Um, Well, for one, Britain was, you guys were in dire need of that superhero to represent you guys. So that was, that was the meat and potatoes of it pretty much right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree, you know, creatively, it wasn't the greatest start he could have had you know the barbarian and the warlord and and all, all them big guys but i i think you know it, it worked well with the fans not just over here but over there because he not only was he someone different but he was larger than life he was a bigger man that could wrestle when he he was called upon to do so he didn't always do it in those matches as we've seen time and time again but the potential was there and the skill was there and he was just a big, he was a big standard bearer for the WWF over here. You know, markets in America were dwindling, house show markets, pay per view markets over here they were thriving. So yeah, I think that's why the Bulldog works so well. Yeah, who was your big British hero before that in WWF? Les Thornton. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh my God, God bless Les Thornton. 
Uh, so we come to the last question, Travis, which for me might be the best question we've ever had. Right. Ready for it? Uh, so was giving the British Bulldog the Intercontinental Championship at Wembley the right call in hindsight? Knowing how it panned out with him leaving the company two months later, could the same effect have been achieved with the WWF Championship, with him being a transitional champion, losing the gold to Flair, who then would have lost it to Bret Hart as it played out? I do. I absolutely do, especially with the absence of Hogan. I was hoping you'd say that. I think that I, would have been a fantastic call. Yeah, I think that would have totally worked. I mean, the Warrior versus Savage was good, you know, down the card. But it was all on that main event, Travis, SummerSlam 92. It was all on the Bulldog versus, versus Bret Hart. Um, you could have even gone into it for the vacant WWF Championship. So Bret Hart had his moment in Canada, you know, winning the title two months later from Ric Flair. You could have gone so many different storyline routes to, to still have Bret and the Bulldog for the WWF Championship, but with the Bulldog coming out of it. I, I think that that would have worked absolutely well. And even been an even bigger moment in wrestling history and in British wrestling history, you know, to have our first British WWF champion crowned on British soil. I also feel like it was a mistake when they got him a year later for WCW not to attempt to put the world title on him. I know that was different circumstances, but why not? You just brought this guy in. Jesus. He was the biggest star there besides Sting. And not only that, Travis, he fought Vader for the title uh, in Wembley Arena, not Wembley Stadium, Wembley Arena, which is next door. And they, they had the Bulldog win via disqualification. Like what a missed opportunity that that could have really helped put WCW on the map. You know, you crown a British champion on British shores. You're not that WCW weren't that big over here in 1993. House show. It's probably the only house. It's probably the only house show that entire year they sold out to. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that, and it would have just made them. It wouldn't have made them as successful as WWF were over here because they went WWF went to some lengths to make sure you know they were the number one wrestling promotion in the United Kingdom, but it wouldn't have hurt WCW to do that, you know, hurt them to build up to some goodwill with the British fans, and then maybe when they returned a year later, they would have found TV ratings were up in the United Kingdom, you know, house shows were up in the United Kingdom. But no, they, they didn't do that. They, they decided to do it by disqualification and hope it was enough. But as for this question, I think it would have been a brilliant idea. And I think that's a brilliant question. Great question. Great way to end the show this week. Absolutely. My voice is shot, Travis. But before I say farewell to everyone until next week and let you take us home, next week, last show of the year, our Union Smack Christmas Cracker. We've got some doozies for you. We've also got some uh, some pieces of coal to put in your stocking. But we will be back That's next week. As usual. Got some doozies and some snoozies that'll put you right to sleep. <laughs> doozies and snoozies. For you, 
for your Christmas period, our last show, and then we'll be back in January. And we're, we're going to begin the Superstar Specials again, Travis, because Rocky's been working hard on the, the thumbs. We, we, we've been waiting to do this Rick Martel one for months, it, it feels like. So we're really going to crack on with them in the new year. Indeed. Can't wait to finally get that Rick Martel done and what's in the future. For sure. Absolutely. As always, my friend, look, you made it on on <laughs> your your sickness and your yeah, just your shitty feeling. You made it. We went about two <clears throat> hours on this week's finally can put question time episode seven to rest. Thank you guys so much. Your questions, your kind words means the world every single week. One more time, Matt. Where can everyone catch you? You can catch me on Twitter at Brooms and Mate. Catch the show on Twitter at Union Smack. Go to unionsmack.bigcartel.com for all your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can celebrate five years of the Union Smack podcast. And of course, Lulu.com, where you can purchase copies of my books, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. Damn right. And as always on Twitter, follow me at Huss Hogan, Hibiki TMD on YouTube, Retro Gaming, Pro Wrestling, Heavy Metal, Horror Podcasts, everything in between. Just live streamed Evil Dead for PS4 yesterday. If there's something you're into that's nerdy, I guarantee you it's on this channel. Until then, until next week, the last episode of the year, have a holly jolly Christmas when we join you next week on the Union Smack Podcast. Cheerio, mates. <laughs>